some of you weren't here last week and you're new here this morning and we're so excited to see you as well. We need each other, don't we? So I'm glad to see you all. Well, my name is Lori Schaefer, and I have the privilege uh, this morning in opening up God's Word to Hebrews 1, 1 through 4, and really just allowing the Lord to teach us together uh, through His living and active Word. So before I begin, will you pray with me? Father, we've come here this morning um, because we want to know you. We want to know you, and we want to love you, and we want to, um, we want to let you have your way with us, Father. So would you meet us here, Father? Would you hover over us by your Holy Spirit? Lord, would you open our ears and do that which only you can do? Would you open up our hearts and our minds to the Scriptures? Father, we know that you have spoken to us and you are speaking to us uh, through this living word. So, Lord, we ask you um, again, Lord, to meet us here, teach us, lead us. And, Father, we'll give you all the thanks, all the praise, and all of the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you have your Bible with you, um, turn with me, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews is towards the back of your Bible. Uh, I always think about it's right before the book of James. And um, by the way, if you don't have a Bible, um, that's okay. That's fine. We have Bibles here in the building, and your leader would love to give you one. We have them to give away. So if you don't have one, make that known. Now, um, I'm going to read here uh, the first words of this letter by this unknown author. And this may sound strange, but I kind of like that we don't know the author I kind of like that because remember every word in the Bible, right, is God inspired, breathed out by God, right? So um, yes, someone penned this and God through that one penned these words, but um, we're going to read now just this Hebrews 1, 1 through 4, okay? Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. So as we opened up our Bibles, in this past week I was thinking, you know, as you opened up, as we all opened up this study guide, or if you did, and, and opened up your Bible, God was speaking to us through his word, wasn't he? I don't know where you were in the last seven days or where, but when we opened up the word of God, he is speaking to us. So it's so wonderful to come together and just open that up together, isn't it? Well, the author, as you hear, as you saw, um, really sets up the entire letter to the Hebrews um, with the foundational truths found in these four verses. They're packed, aren't they? The supremacy 
the sufficiency and the preeminence of Christ. The deity, the manhood, and the mediation of Christ are the very doctrinal themes that will be further taught and explained in our upcoming chapters. We'll see. But he puts them right up here. He sets up the whole letter right here in these first four verses. Foundational truths. So the main point of the first four verses is that God has spoken finally and completely in the Son. The final word. First, though, um, we must consider the original recipients of this letter, right? Um, These were many new Christians, uh, Hebrew Christians, who were experiencing suffering, persecution, and even for some imprisonment for their faith in Christ alone. Some were wondering if holding on to Christ was really worth it. Uh, Some were even thinking of abandoning their hope that they had, their new hope that they had placed in Jesus. And I thought, oh, what a perfect book for us to study for such a time as this, right? Um, In these times today, we're going to consider Christ together. And uh, so what a perfect, perfect timing to study these foundational truths together. Because if we're honest, uh, if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes we too, right, uh, become a little weary and wonder Uh, I've placed my faith in Christ, so why are these things happening in my life? Is holding on to Jesus really, really what it's all supposed to be? It's not looking like it in my life right now. Or we grow weary or faint-hearted, right? Sometimes. So sometimes we need to be reminded of these truths, uh, remind ourselves or have someone remind us that this is where we place our faith. This is worth holding on to, right? Long ago, at many times... And in many ways, God spoke. Since the beginning, God has been communicating, speaking. The one true God is a speaking God, one who communicates with his people, and he reveals his will and his way to us, doesn't he? He has always been communicating. Christian author J.I. Packer writes, The creator God communicates. God made us in his image, rational and responsive, so that he and we might live in fellowship. To this end, he makes himself known to us. He enters into communication with a view to communion. He speaks in words using his own gift of language to tell us about himself. We read that verbal revelation, he says, began in Eden before man fell. And here's referring to Genesis 2, 16 through 17. And that all that God has made known for salvation was revealed verbally to and through patriarchs, prophets, apostles, and finally in his son. So we have a God who wants to get to know us and wants to reveal himself to us. And we have a God who speaks. He's communicating to you and I. Well, have you ever heard um, someone say um, or, or have said yourself like I have, you know, I just wish I could hear from God. I wish he would just write it in the sky. If God would just tell me what I'm supposed to do here. Um, God has spoken and he is speaking to you and I through and in his son in the life, in the person, in the work, in all the teachings of the Son, God is speaking. So he invites us into a relationship. And that's something in itself too, isn't it? 
a real life relationship with himself through Jesus so that we might know him, love him, obey him, worship him. And I don't know about you, but I can't get it. You know, which is, we will never, ever, ever come to the end of wanting to know him and getting to know him better and better and better and therefore to love and obey and worship him more. Well, when I grew up, my family went to church. We attended church religiously. We attended a church religiously. And I remember thinking I wanted to know this unreachable God uh, that was seemed to be far off. Um, but I didn't know how. And I didn't know that it was actually through his son, through Jesus, that I could have this personal, real, living relationship with the God of the universe. Until then, one day... Um, Actually, it was uh, someone who gave me Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. It is by grace. And that's something I had. By grace, you have been saved. This is not of your own works. Because you see, I was all caught up in trying to do for him. To earn that approval. To earn that love. To earn that sacrifice. And, and always really never living in assurance or peace. Really living in fear and doubt and wondering, okay, right now, have I done enough? And isn't that silly? But that is... Uh, that is that was me trying uh, to have that um, awareness of who this God was. But it's through his son that he offers us, his, offers us individually, personally, intimately into a relationship, a living relationship. Well, God's word says, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Now, this phrase by his son literally means in the son, as I said, in the person, the work of Christ, God has spoken to us in and through his son. The first recipients of this letter were living in these last days, and you and I today are living in these last days. Uh, Thomas Schreiner in his commentary on Hebrews writes, the last days presents the days in which God's saving promises are fulfilled, and they have now commenced with the coming of the son. Believers no longer live in the days when they await the fulfillment of what God had promised. So from Christ's birth, life, death, and resurrection, we have been living in these last days. And we will so uh, until he returns. The final revelation has come. Jesus, God's final word. God has spoken his last and his best and his final word. Jesus is God's final word. God's full, perfect revelation awaited the coming of his son. Jesus not only brought, but was God's full and final revelation. He's the better spokesman for God. The Old Testament prophecies were important and necessary, but Jesus is their real life fulfillment. The law is just and good, but Jesus is far better. All of the prophets in the past were given to us to point to Jesus. What they merely pointed to, he embodied perfectly. The old covenant dealt with the works of our hands, but Jesus broke through to our hearts. Other prophets gave the word of God, but Jesus is the word of God. Jesus is God's final word, so he's it. Whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also 
He created the world. So again, here within the verses of 1 through 4, God's word tells us that Jesus, he, God appointed the heir of all things to the Son, through whom also he created the world. The Son is the heir because he's the Davidic king, the fulfillment of the covenant promise made to David that he would never lack a man to sit on the throne. So to quote Schreiner again, he writes, the son's heirship is tied to his kingship, to his rule overall, and hence it commences with his exaltation to God's right hand, heir of all things. So that means he created all things and all things belong to him and his control. Every space, Every space, every time period, every structure, every political power, every spiritual uh, power forces, every plant, every water, every molecule, every atom, every life, nothing is that is not owned by and controlled by the heir of all things, King Jesus. Now, I don't know what that sounds like to you, but for some reason I find really that that's comforting. That's comforting to me. When my life is out of control, and your life sometimes maybe is out of control, uh, the, the king, the heir of all things, the creator of the world, is holding all things together. That's a comfort to me. He, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Meaning he is the outraying and the radiance of the divine who is upholding, maintaining, guiding, propelling the universe by the mighty word of his power. Wow. In his book titled The Knowledge of the Holy, A.W. Tozer writes the Christian statement of faith called the Nicene Creed. And so concerning the position of the Son in the Godhead, this Nicene Creed that Christians still today recite periodically states this, I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of Him before all ages, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made. The exact imprint of his nature. And that's hard to get our finite minds wrapped around, I know. Jesus said uh, to his followers that the Father and I are one. Remember, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So they share in this oneness. Now, I have a two-year-old little grandson that looks a lot like his daddy. He looks a lot like his daddy. In fact, sometimes people will see him and think, oh, he's the spitting image of his father. And he does. He looks like his father. But he's not his father. God the Father and God the Son were of one substance and shared in a divine nature. So I can't get my mind off of this uh, that I just read from God's Word, um, that by the word of his power, just by the word of his power, upholds and maintains the entire universe. So in creation, remember, God just spoke creation into being. And now today, by the word of that power, 
They're maintaining the universe. Maintaining the universe. So I thought about this. Now, we've all probably tried to uphold or maintain a home, haven't we? Or maybe we are today. We're upholding, maintaining a home with all of its moving parts or perhaps a business or relationship or some type of a group. We're trying to maintain and uphold. And I don't know about you, but my word of power doesn't have a whole lot of power. It gets a little frustrating at times, right? We're trying to hold everything together and maintain it, uh, even with our best efforts. And yet, and just this morning as I'm... Um, coming into the church parking lot, you know, I take a sharp turn. I perhaps was probably going a little faster than I should have. And I turned in and my whole bag turned over. So my notes went everywhere, my Bible and everything. I can't even control and maintain a ride from my home to the church. Anyway, Jesus is in controlling the entire universe by the power of his word. Well, a few weeks ago, I was in Chicago, and uh, while I was there, I was in a department store, and one of the sales clerks, uh, just being nice and friendly or probably trying to make a sale, (laughs) says to me, so what do you do? And without even thinking about it, of all the things I could have said, I'm a wife, I'm a mother, I'm a grandmother, I do this, I do that, whatever, just right out of my mind, I said, oh, because Hebrews, and this study was on my mind, I said, oh, um, I'm just part of a group of women who uh, lead a Bible study. And she looked at me and she said, a Bible study. She said, our world's a mess. What do you think we need? I thought, well, did I say Bible study? <laughs> anyway, I said, well, you know, <clears throat> the, the letter, the, the book of the Bible, so I said, the book of the Bible we're getting ready to study is the book of Hebrews. And I said, really, it starts out just with the first four chapters of saying that God created, he's sustaining, and by the power of words, he's upholding everything he created. I don't know if that was the answer she was looking for or really even cared, but that's the truth, the only answer I had. How do we make sense of things that are out of our control? Well, during our, our country's most recent storms, right, hurricanes, floodings, um, one of my neighbors asked me, what do you think God is doing? By the word of his power, he's upholding his creation. Aren't we thankful? Out of our control. Well, just recently, our oldest daughter, along with our youngest daughter, uh, traveled to Europe together and were walking the very streets of Barcelona where the dev- devastating terrorist attack took place only three days later, uh, taking many lives. Everything's out of our control, isn't it? The sun is sovereignly reigning and ruling over all his creation from his position of highest authority. Highest authority at the right hand of God. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. The Old Testament priests stood. Remember? They stood repeatedly making sacrifices for sins over and over and over again. But Jesus, by offering himself, accomplished our cleansing of sins and riddance of guilt once and for all. And then he sat down. His work was done. He did what he came for. was done. He sat down. Now, the Old Testament prophets, um, their message was, go and do. Jesus came and he did. 
the old prophets would say, go and do this. And Jesus said, I'll do it for you. And then he sat down. It was finished. So then he sat down at God's right hand, the scripture tells us. And this is the place of the greatest honor and authority in the entire universe. Now, we don't stop and think about this enough. Uh, at least I don't. But right now, right now, currently, right now, as I stand here and you sit there, there is one, the Son, a man seated at the right hand of God, fully God, fully man, seated in the most powerful place in the universe, praying for you and for me. It's true. I just don't stop and think about that often enough. But right now, hmm. The son Jesus is the perfect prophet, perfect priest, and perfect king. And he was the one the Hebrews had been waiting for. He's the very image of God, and the gospel he brings is an exact representation of the heart of God. Sorry, let me say that again. Um, he's the one the Hebrews had been waiting for. And Jesus is the very image of God, and the gospel he brings is an exact representation of the heart of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So let me just ask, is he the one you've been waiting for? Is he the one that you've been waiting for, that one who's ready uh, and waiting just to take all that you're trying to control and uphold and maintain? Is he the one you've been waiting for? Have you yet? Uh, I know we're considering him and we'll continue to consider him in the months ahead here together. But have you yet placed your faith in that one for your salvation? I find at times I'm trying to finish his work of purification for my sins at times. So I just want to say, if you haven't yet placed your faith uh, in Christ alone for your salvation, um, consider him. And I'd love to talk to you. And your, your leader would as well. Um, but again, we'll continue to consider him in this whole letter. Having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Greater than the angels, Jesus inherits the name of divine son, king, and his throne lasts forever, and his rule is righteous. Like the Hebrew Christians uh, who were wavering in their faith, uh, we too, God's speaking to us through this very same word. And, and as we at times waver, um, we're to consider him and to hold fast to Jesus, to hold fast. So whatever today may be gripping you with fear or doubt, hold on to the one who's upholding all things. We walk through this life, even by faith, we walk through it, Lord. And there are times that things get a little shaky and a little questionable. Um, but we're called to hold on uh, to Jesus. Hold on to the one who's upholding all things together by the word of his power. 
So some of you have lived this, and some of you are living this, and some of you might live this. But when the diagnosis isn't so good, when the bank account gets empty, when the prodigal doesn't return, when the doctors can't seem to heal, when anxiety and depression sets in, hold on. Hold on to Jesus, the one who's upholding and maintaining the entire universe by the power of his word. May we, together, in the weeks ahead, anchor our hope and trust in him today, in the weeks ahead, and train our hearts for an eternal, for an eternity of worshipful joy and adoration of him. So let's finish this morning by standing together and let's read together these words up on the screen of Hebrews 1, 1 through 4. All right. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as a name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Lord God, we thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to us through your living word. And thank you for speaking to us through your son, your final word. So Lord, bless this uh, hour ahead as we um, come together in our groups and discuss these truths in this lesson. Father, again, we'll be sure to thank you and give you all thanks, all praise, all glory for each lady and each child here this morning and what you will do. It's in Jesus' matchless name I pray. Amen.